right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. You don't got time Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Congratulations to Hideki Matsuya for winning the Masters. I don't know this on the broadcast yesterday. Uh, Hideki first ever... Uh, Masters winner from Japan. They only mention about a million times. Do you think that's over or is it worthy of bringing up a lot? It's not that I don't think it's worth mentioning. It's like that's all they had to say. All they had to say on the broadcast was that, well, they're going to be proud of him in Japan. I did think it was funny. There's more to it than that. Yeah, he was like asked about it after, um, more specifically, he was asked about like who were the guys, like the athletes that you look up to. You know, you being the first one to do this and win the Masters. And he was just like, honestly, like, I'm just a big baseball fan. Like, he didn't say it exactly <laughs> like this, but he was like, I looked up to, like, Shohei Otani and some of those guys, like, playing in the MLB, and I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a country that's known for its golf, so I get it. Now, him sort of breaking through and being a Masters winner, because the Masters, for most golfers— with the exception of probably English golfers at the British Open, the Masters is the one that everybody wants. Like, even the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open, I think, for a lot of Americans is number two. It's number two with a bullet, but there's nothing like Augusta, mostly because it's played at the same course every single year. It's the history and the tradition, and the course is one of the most immaculate courses on the planet. But it's it's fascinating for Hideki because... It's not a Japanese golfer who came out of nowhere to win the Masters. It's a Japanese golfer who has been one of the top 25, 30 golfers in the world for the better part of the past decade. Like, this guy is just not a nobody. Hideki made his debut, I think, in 2008. By 2013, he was a top 30 golfer, and he's been there ever since. He's not slipped past 30th or 28th, to be exact, in the official world golf rankings. And then for like a two or three year span, he was a perennial top five, top 10 golfer in the world. What I think is, is that he didn't win for four years. Kind of what we saw with Jordan Spieth winning last week, kind of getting that monkey off his back. If you don't win for a long time in golf, you get, there gets to be this, this moment where people start to wonder, oh, okay, well, he's just, he's good, but he can't finish. Like, he can't get the job done, which is so silly to me. It's so hard to win. And if you're continually getting top fives and top tens, you're in the mix. You're not going to win them all unless you're Tiger Woods and you just have that, that extra level that you can push it to. Like, being in the mix is the most you can ask for and then hope that a few things go your way. Like, and that's what happened to Hideki on Saturday. He was not in the mix. Then all of a sudden, you get the rain delay. He comes back with eight holes to play and goes six under. And it's not because he was putting everything to within one foot. He was getting up and down. He was scrambling for par. Bogey-free round. You don't see that very often. And now he's a major champion. 
But once you do win that major, the perception of you as a player is so different. Like, Hideki's been a great player. Now he's a Masters champion. And that will always stick with him forever. He's going to be a legend. He, and and, and to, the, to the broadcaster's credit, like, I'm not trying to pilot on Jim Nance and, and Nick Faldo. I just thought that, like, they had... They, like they just had to keep bringing it up. Like they, they didn't have been, like they only had one bullet point on their notes, which I know is not accurate. But to their point, he's gonna be a legend now in Japan. Like the media swarm, the media circus there is gonna be unlike the anything that any American golfer, uh, aside from Tiger Woods, would ever experience in this country. Because after Tiger Woods, if I asked you, like, well, who's the second most famous golfer? You'd probably say like Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson's not going to have swaths of media and reporters like waiting for him when he gets off his flight. That's what's going to happen today with Hideki when he gets back to Japan, or I'm sure he's already back. By the way, did you see the pictures of him at the airport this morning? No, I didn't. So to get from Augusta, Georgia to Japan, I'm sure it's pretty brutal. You got to go to Atlanta. He, the dude's flying commercial, by the way. No way. He just made he just <laughs> hit a seven-figure payday. <laughs> And he's flying commercial. Now, again, I'm sure it would be very expensive to charter a flight from Atlanta Still, to I I just won the Masters. I won whatever, $2, 3000000 million, whatever it is. I'm paying for first class, you know? I'll fly commercial, but I'm paying for first class. At least, do you think he got himself the, what is it, the uh, luxury area where it's not like first class, but it's like extended leg room? You think he splurged for that at least? Well, I don't think he's flying Southwest. Like he's at least getting yeah extended like. <laughs> I don't think he's booking his flight, but you know I wonder if that was the conversation that had to be had, which is just like, hey, make sure if I win, let's splurge. You know, I'm not going to go from coach to extended. <laughs> Give me the exit row. So, yeah, it was it was over two million dollars what he won yesterday. Which is just insane for four days of work. And I know it's not really four days of work, but it also really is. What did the, what did the person who finished the lowest, who made the cut, make? Just like out of curiosity. Um, because that's that's the interesting one when you talk about like, it's not just four days of work. It's four days of you playing like let's look. not up to... Tw- uh, 29,000. So still, that'd be pretty nice. Four days of work to get twenty nine thousand, and you didn't even have to have any pressure. You just like made the cut, and we're like, "Oh, okay." Billy Horschel finished in fiftieth, and he made twenty nine thousand. <laughs> Did you see this? By the way, Billy Horschel like freaked out yesterday. He's a hothead. He I was gets red. Say, ass. I, he I gets saw him mad. playing on I think Friday or Saturday. I can't remember which one. And he lets you know, yeah, when, when it's he not messes going something his way. up, yeah. Yeah, so he gets crazy. Like, he does this a lot. Like, just loses his cool. And he he slams his his putter like, into his bag, and he picks it up and slams it back down into his bag and picks it up and slams it back. It's like chill. But also, you know, it's a, it's a competition where there's a lot of money on the line, so you understand, like, a guy losing his cool. But then he has to apologize afterwards. Golf's the only sport where you have to do that. Golf's the only sport where you have to apologize for getting mad. Imagine if LeBron James or Tom Brady got caught like yelling at one of their teammates or like throwing a water bottle down on the sidelines. No, it's happened with Tom Brady. 
There's nobody cares. He had thrown a water bottle down, and then he has to issue an apology afterwards. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was unbecoming of me. But yeah, $29,000 for 50th place. Hideki takes first. He wins two mil. I hate when people do this, by the way. Xander, like Xander Shoffley was the only one who was really in position to make a move. I know Zalatoris ended up finishing second, but either for a moment on the back nine, Hideki was sort of getting a little shaky. Xander, I think, made four straight birdies. He was down by seven strokes at one point. Makes four straight birdies, and then he puts one in the water on 16. And somebody said, I remember somebody, they always do this. Oh, that shot in the water cost Xander Shoffley $500,000. He would have been, people all, oh, that one shot. I'm like, he made $667,000 in four days. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And you know what he probably cares about more than the money? He wanted to win the Masters, right? He wants to win the freaking Masters because you win the Masters like Hideki did. You're a legend now. Nobody cares about the fact that, oh, well, yeah, remember that one time where Will Zeltoris made $500,000 more? than No. Nobody remembers that. So Hideki makes $2 million. He's got to fly from Augusta, Georgia to Japan. The dude is flying commercial, and he gets spotted at the airport waiting in the terminal in Chicago, or maybe he was on his way from Atlanta to Chicago, and he's got the master's jacket just draped over the chair. <laughs> just like draped over the chair behind him. Airport seats are pretty disgusting. I would say, like, subway, subway seats. And then slightly ahead of that, or behind that, would be airport terminal seats. No, no, no. Subway seats, park benches, airport terminals. You think park benches are that dirty? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hobos sleep on park benches. Birds poop on park benches. What is sanitary about a park bench? It's outside. I mean, is nature dirty? Objectively, yes. <laughs> I don't even think that's up for debate. But you sit down in those seats and it just like they have that like sort of greasy feeling of just like every single bodily fluid, like all the sweat and dirt and grime and stuff that everybody's sitting on. And hundreds of people are coming through sitting on them. This dude wins a green jacket and like he couldn't even get like a bag, like a travel case for it. Nothing. He's got to carry it on his arm, and he's like, "Well, I don't want to wear this thing all day. It's not really practical. Let me just let me just throw it over this seat really quick." Imagine having to put that through the security because you're you're okay. Again, you're not flying private; you're flying commercial, and you've got to put that in those little gray bins. All right, take off your. And he's like, hey, "But this is a master's jacket. Would you mind if I, no, sir? We're gonna need you to put that in the bin, please." Okay. That is, a, you could say that that's disrespectful. I think it's the ultimate flex. It's like, I came here, I got my green jacket, I can do whatever I want with it. Do you think the Masters would allow it, like, if you lost your green jacket or, like, somebody stole it or, I don't know, let's just say you, like, ripped a big hole in it, would they give you a new one? You think it's one? You think they only give you one? And they're like, oh, no, nope, we gave you one. What happened to the one we gave you? <laughs> yeah, dude, of course. Of course. So, like, technically, you could just have unlimited Masters jackets. It's more about the symbol. You know, I would think they give you one, and then they give you one that's, like, suited, fitted to you. Like, maybe one that's for display. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I would think you get one that's for display, and then one that is, like, tailored to your 
body. And so he gets to pick the dinner next year, right? That's how it works? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's almost better than the jacket to me. I mean, how often Getting are you... Getting to pick dinner? Well, no. I mean, how often are you going to wear the Masters jacket? You know, it's it's almost yeah, like an well, artifact. It's once like, a year. It's like a championship ring. Like, are but you dude, really going to wear that around? Honestly, though, that, you know what that makes me think? Is that it would be so hilarious to watch him just, like, showing up to a different tournament... Like he's not playing this week, but for example, it's the RBC Heritage. If he just showed up, like, wearing. got out of the car wearing it, or find me the smallest tournament that you like. You go to the John Deere Classic. No, go to the Corn Ferry Tour. <laughs> he's to not play on that? playing on the Corn Ferry <laughs> Tour he? anymore. No, well, I think you can, but it's like sort of seen as disrespectful to the guys who are actually trying to like make I mean, it on talk tour. About disrespectful. Show up to the Corn Ferry Tour with the Masters green jacket on. I would love that. I would respect the hell out of that. Congratulations to Hideki. He's made like, what, $33 million now in his career. But he's got that green jacket, and I'm sure he'd trade, and I'm sure a lot of guys would trade many, many millions for one of those. Very deserving champion. You see his caddy bow to the course afterwards? It's awesome. Awesome. He he takes the flag off the, off the stick, you know, like just as a piece of memorabilia, and he turns around and just bows to the course. That was so cool. What an awesome moment. Congrats to Hideki, Masters champ. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. You know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car, and don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them, unlimited guest service and most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and body wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. We got David Lesky joining the show to talk some Royals coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes or so. I'm Nick Short. He's Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. It's weird now that if a couple days go by without news on recruits or transfers with KU, it feels like it's a slow period. We literally just had a player declare for the draft on Friday. And it feels like, wait a minute, nothing's happened since Friday? What's going on? Have the waters finally calmed a little bit? I think it was Thursday when Ochai announced, Friday when Jalen announced, and we're kind of waiting for that next shoe to fall. As of right now, 
this is the the math gets really tricky if you're Bill Self and you don't know what guys are gonna do. Like I'm sure he's sitting there saying, I have a, an inclination of what Ochai might do or what Jalen might do, but you don't know for sure because you don't know what they're gonna hear. Like if you're thinking about Ochai, for example. Bill knows Ochai as well as anybody, and he's probably got connections in the NBA that he can reach out to and say, what do you think? And he'll get some feedback from them, but getting feedback from one or two GMs or player personnel guys isn't enough to draw conclusions what the entire league is going to think about a guy because Ochai could very easily go to the, the combine, and you know most teams will tell him something, but all it takes is one or two teams to say, yeah, we like you a lot. You fall to us at this spot, we're taking you. Right? Early second round. You fall to us, we're, we're snatching you. Surprises happen all the time. Remember when the thought was that? <laughs> That's never happened before. Bless you. That has never happened before. I've never sneezed on air. What are you going to do? You know? Remember when the thought was that Udoka was not even going to get drafted? That he was a dinosaur? That his game wouldn't fit the modern NBA? First round pick. <laughs> First round pick, Devon doesn't get drafted. Who would have thought that two years ago? That Yudoku would be a first-round pick and Devon Dotson would go undrafted. Like, I could sit here now and say, is not going to get drafted. There could be a team that says, if we can get him to figure out how to tighten up those handles and, and get a, develop a pull-up jumper, uh, he's going to be this 6'6 athlete who all of a sudden can go get his own shot. We'll take that. 3 and D, right? All you have to do is have a niche. You don't have to be great at everything. Have a niche. Have something you can hang your hat on. If all else fails, at least he can give us that. If one team tells Ochai that, all of a sudden you're gone. So you can sit here and plan as he's going to be back. He's going to be back. Well, if you plan like that and you save a scholarship for him and then he doesn't use it, then what do you do? Then you just have an open spot. Which is why now with Jalen entering the draft as well... Jalen would be an even more exaggerated version of that scenario where you'd say there's no way Jalen Wilson is going to stay in the draft. Because I don't think Jalen Wilson is going to get drafted, especially the way he finished the season. All it takes is one team. So what do you do if you're Bill Self right now? Like with Ochai, you have to plan as if he's not coming back. Would it be too risky to just assume that Jalen's coming back and say we're keeping that scholarship open for him because we know he's coming back? If I would say this. If he stayed in the draft, it would be one of the more surprising draft decisions that I've ever seen at KU. Even if you go back to like the Sheck Diallos, he got drafted, but Cliff Alexander, Josh Selby's, those guys got drafted mm-hmm. because they were one and dones. Cliff didn't, but if you remember, Cliff oh, ended Cliff the year. Right. But Cliff ended the year, there was like a case with the NCAA that he was maybe going to be ruled ineligible anyway, so why would he stick around? Yeah. And again, you were the number two player coming out of high school. You were McDonald's All-American. You were one and done. Jalen's not that. So it would be very surprising. And I would even say to to a further extent, how often does a decision to surprise us? How often has a guy went pro when you say, wow, did not expect that? Because even with Ochai, it would be a little bit surprising if he went pro. Like with Wayne Selden, it was, oh, you were a top 10 recruit. It, you stayed here longer than we thought you were going to, and you finished on a really high note. Like you and got progressively Josh Jackson better. was coming in the next year, so it's like you're going to play less minutes this year. With Ochai, everything is in front of him in terms of coming back to have an even bigger season, I think. 
Now, I know there's some people out there who say he's the finished product. He's not going to get any better. That's fine. I don't think he's going to think that. What is your threshold for staying in? So if you're Bill Self now, what do you do? What do you do in terms of filling those spots? So I actually wouldn't fill the Ochai one, and I get it. Um, even if it ends up happening where he stays in the draft and you feel like you have an open scholarship too late to grab somebody, you know, maybe that ends up happening. But we've seen years before where KU's gone into the season with 12 guys on scholarship and they've had an open scholarship. It's not the end of the world. And especially given how the roster is progressing right now, where it feels like, and this is something you've talked about with a lot of your guests that you've had on, it feels like even the 10th, 11th, 12th player on the roster right now for KU are guys who are going to be expecting to play sizable minutes, right? So if that's the case, then you should be able to weather the storm with one less guy. And worst case, if he does stay in the draft, you know there still is a chance that there's a grad transfer out there by then. There still is a chance that some guy can reclassify. I remember Marvin Bagley reclassified in like August and ended up picking Duke. So it's not the worst thing in the world to have one open scholarship then, especially with the team where you already do feel like you have 10, 11, 12 guys who can contribute to the rotation. So I would leave it open. Yeah, I guess with the current situation of what you've already done, you it would lend itself to being okay. Imagine if your, if your roster had stayed similar to what it was last year where you had a bunch of scholarships... Um, you had a bunch of scholarships to guys who aren't going to play. Then if you lose two guys who are going to play, you're really behind the eight ball. And maybe that's why Bill Self and this coaching staff have went out and recruited the way that they have. And that's why even when it seems like they don't have many spots left, people looking around saying, well, why are you offering this guy? Why are you offering that guy? Does that mean you're not going to get this other kid? Does that mean this guy's going to go somewhere else? Maybe not. Maybe they knew that they were going to have a lot of holes to fill and you want to give yourself the best opportunity because if those guys do come back, if Ochai and Jalen both return, there's a chance somebody's going to transfer out. Like, that happens every single year. And you've already got three guys who have transferred, but again, you're not going to have 12 guys who all think that they're going to play. Somebody's going to look at it, or Bill Self will go directly to them and say, hey, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not looking great for you to get a ton of playing time this year. Happy to have you stay. We're not going to give your scholarship to anybody else, but um, just want you to be aware of the situation that's at hand. And for some guys, that might be enough for them to say, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. Or they'll say, no, what? No, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to compete. And then after a year, they'll go somewhere else. Because that happens too. Guys will say, no, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to compete. I'm going to earn my spot. Watch. You'll see. And then they don't. And then they say, okay, I gave it a shot. I'm not going to waste away another year on the bench. Christian Bishop, I guess, is still the name to watch. He, to me, it's not he's not the same player, but it would be a, a, a sort of a one-for-one one swap with Jalen. He can't shoot, so that's a big difference. But you went out and got Zach Clements, who's a 4-slash-5, and he can shoot. You went out and got Cam Martin, who's a, probably a 5, and he can shoot. So it's not as if you got to go find your Jalen Wilson type. Well, Jalen Wilson was not a guy that we were expecting a ton from last year, and he ended up being a pleasant surprise. You don't just fill the void a one-for-one. One. You just go out and play differently. Like If you went out and got Christian Bishop, that's just another guy that you could play at that position, even though he's not the same player that Jalen Wilson is. Yeah, I, I mentioned this last week. You can just pair him with you know somebody who can shoot. So if he's playing at the four, you play Cam Martin at the five, and they're a pair together. Cam Martin shoots on offense. And Cam Martin can move back to the five on defense. Christian Bishop can move to 
the four on defense and the five on offense because Christian Bishop, the one thing about him offensively, yes, he can't shoot really, or at least he hasn't proven that he can, shot 69% on twos last year. I mean, that's that's the most efficient like two-point player you can get besides Yudoka Azubuki. Also, six, seven guy playing the five. Sure, but like in the NCAA tournament, which should be against the best competition you're playing, right? He averaged 13 and almost 11. You know, so this is a guy that I think would be a great fit for you to come in, maybe play 20 minutes a game this year where he is next to Cam Martin in lineups, where he is next to assuming Jalen Wilson comes back in specific lineups. Uh, maybe you don't play him as much next to David McCormick. I don't know about that fit because of the lack of shooting, but David McCormick's going to, what, give you 25 minutes a game? So that's still 15 minutes where you can get him out there with somebody else that's a good match for him, and then maybe you do play him five minutes a game with David McCormick, see how it works. Yeah, you're going to get to experiment. When you got a bunch of different dudes like that, guys who can play different positions, it's easy to get excited about, oh, the versatility that this team possesses. We say that a lot, and then all of a sudden you get into the season, and that guy plays one position, right? We thought Jalen Wilson was going to be pretty versatile, but Bill Self doesn't feel like playing five guards, at least with him at the five, so we didn't see it a whole lot. But yeah, you're on paper, like Zach Clements is one of those guys. Christian Bishop, one of those guys. Uh, K.J. Adams, no idea. You may have more versatility in the backcourt, right? Because this past year it was, oh, well, Marcus Garrett can play a little bit of everything. Yeah, but you don't really want him at point. Dwan Harris can only really play one position. Christian Brown wasn't much of a ball handler or a distributor. Bryce Thompson uh, was more of an off guard than he was uh, a facilitator or a distributor. So it'll be really fascinating to see how exactly it works out coming up next year. Uh, we'll uh, follow the offseason. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that we haven't gotten any news today. It's like every day we need some sort of transaction to take place with Kansas basketball. So I feel robbed when it hasn't happened. At least that's the way it's worked so far this offseason. We're going to switch gears, talk some Royals baseball. David Lesky joins us coming up next. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN weather. So Royals win in extras yesterday. Back above 500, four and three on the season. We didn't get to talk to David last week because, well, the Royals were playing a day game. I was joking with David when we were talking this morning. It's like the Royals play 75 day games in the first two months. Don't check the math on that. And then play zero the last four or five months of the season. I don't really know why that is. Maybe he can explain it. He is our Royals expert, and he joins us now on the show. David Lesky with us once again. What, what's the deal with all these day games early in the season, David? So there's actually a reason for it. Ooh. Um, it's, I mean, I don't know if that's the best reason, but there is a reason. And it's, I mean, really largely the weather because it's cold during the night in, in April in Kansas City. I mean, mm. the game time temperature tonight is going to be like 55, and it's warmer during the daytime, obviously. And then you get into the summer, and it's too hot in the daytime because it's like 147 with, I, I think, roughly 182% humidity. Like you, don't check my math, but um, it's cooler <laughs> at night. And so I, I, think, I think that's a big part of the reason why. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's like 57 here right now and it's going to be 55 tonight. So are you a day game guy or a night game guy? Like if you're attending a Um, game, what's the perfect day and time for a baseball game in Kansas city? I mean, I love, I love a day game. I love a one o'clock start 
Um, I prefer it when it's like 80 instead of 50 or 100. But, okay. Um, give me a one o'clock start. The three, the opening day game is tough because, and this year is a little bit different. Especially this year was really different because they played for um, 16 hours on opening day. But um, typically, you know, you get the three o'clock start and you're leaving the stadium having to drive home at like 6:05 with crazy rush hours. So that's really annoying. This year. There's not as much traffic right now because people are working from home and also because, like I said, the game went into the weekend. So that wasn't a huge issue this year, but um, that's the problem with the 3 o'clock start. The 1 o'clock game, shadows don't get in the way. It's it's the perfect time. You still have your evening to do whatever you want to do. Yeah, give me the 1 o'clock start all day long. Call me cliche, but I'm a sucker for Friday night 6 o'clock games, man. I, I'm good with that. Uh, the, the, the six o'clock start on Saturday is perfect. Also, I have to say, I I think that's great. Um, but you know, all things equal, give me that one o'clock start. So it's been about a week and a half uh, since the season began. We didn't talk last week, but seven games under the belt. What would you say is the theme so far for the Royals season? They are have they have no rhythm at all because <laughs> they don't. It, it's ridiculous. They they had three scheduled off days. I I didn't look at every team, but I think they're one of like two or three teams that had three scheduled off days in the first week or so. Now some other teams had some issues, you know, the Nationals with their COVID stuff and the Mets and Braves because of the Nationals and and some rainouts and all that. But three scheduled off days, a rainout. I don't know that you can ascertain anything about this team because baseball is such a rhythm sport and they haven't, they've played on consecutive days twice. They've played two straight days twice this year. Mm. I mean, and I mean, I know I'd say this year they've it's a week and a half, so it's not like it's a huge deal. They're going to play. Looks like the weather's pretty good for a while, so they should get in probably all ten games on this homestand, which that'll give them eleven days in a row. And I, it's just hard to say right now what they are. And I think I think we'll know a lot more at the end of this homestand, even the end of this week, when they've had a chance to play five or six days in a row, which they haven't had a chance to do yet. So that'll be really good for them. Um, you know, right now. I think the biggest thing you can say about this team is that they're they're resilient. They've they've trailed in all but one of their victories, so three of the four. <laughs> Not a huge sample, but um, they, they've they've trailed sizable in a couple of them. Five zero in the first on opening day, four zero in the in the third. I think it was they were down um, in their second game of the season, and they, then they were trailing on or yesterday and came back twice. So that that was that was a good. That was a good win yesterday. It was a really, it was a bigger win than you'd expect in April, and I think that shows the resiliency and you know that bodes well for them moving forward because those these are games I don't think that this team wins in 2018, 2019, even last year when they were better. I just don't know that they win those games, and and they have this season, so it's a good start. I've got some good memories of some resilient Royals teams, so that's a that's a yeah. fun buzzword to hear. Yeah, they were they were okay in the in the mid 2010s, right? I mean they they came back a couple times, and um, I, I don't I don't think this team is quite there. But um, you know, I didn't think the 2014 team was there either. And look what they showed me. So who knows? They, being able to come back is a skill um, that is as much mental, I think, as physical. And the fact that they've done it that they're, they're now a team that you have to watch out for because if if you've done it once, you can do it again. Um, and they've they've done it three times already, so that's a really good sign moving forward. When we talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, I don't even remember what the question was, but I know you, at one point you brought up that 
as fantastic as Brett Keller was last year, just because of how ridiculous some of his numbers were, that you knew that there was going to be some level of regression. Uh, only two games, but what are you seeing from him in his first two starts? Well, he's gotten all the regression out of the way. And <laughs> he, should, he should be fine the rest of the year. No, That's actually a smart um, play. Do it all up front, and then you can just yeah. be yourself. Well, look, they're 1-1 they're one and one on those starts, so it's not like he's really hurt the team that much, right? right? It, it's been okay. Um, the thing that I've seen is just an absolute lack of command. Um, he, he just can't, he can't locate the ball at all. And I, I've mentioned this a couple times. I'm a little bit worried there's an injury, and, and it's not necessarily from anything I've seen. Because he looks okay, and that, that's, what's so, that's what's so confusing to me. He looks okay, but he's not throwing his slider. And I, and I always come back to that when, when you see guys who have good sliders and they end up with an elbow injury, you look at their last like five or six starts before the injury shuts them down, and they backed off their slider quite a bit. It, just, it feels like it happened every time. So I, I don't know. They say he's healthy. He looks – pitches are moving fine. I, I don't know, but he isn't throwing the slider as much, and that's a little bit concerning to me, less so after he pitched again. I guess on Thursday, as bad as he was, um, which, by the way, he lowered his ERA. Like, I think he cut it in half by giving up four runs and three in the third inning. So good, good on him. That's that's I'm proud of him for that. Um, yeah, I I don't know what to make of him. If he if the command isn't there, he doesn't get enough strikeouts. He didn't get enough swings and misses to be able to miss his spots like he has. And um, you know, maybe we got spoiled last season. He gave up two doubles and two homers. That was it in nine starts, and, I, and he, he's matched that and then some in his first two starts, which has just, just been, I think, five or four and two-thirds innings, something like that. So it's uh, it, 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 if he's not hurt, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think it's almost one of those things that you hope he's got some kind of injury because it at least explains it. And to this point, that doesn't seem to be the case. So I really don't know. Um, I don't know if it's a slight mechanical change he needs to make. I don't know what that is. Um, but it's something's got to change because he's, I mean, he's, he's the opening day starter. He's the, he's the ace quote unquote of the staff. I, I, I they're not going to win if Brad Keller keeps pitching like this. He, he just, they can't do it. And so something's going to have to give one way or another. Well, I, you kind of just said it there, but I think if we were going back to the beginning of the season and you pulled you know, hundred Royals fans, what's your biggest question mark? What's your biggest concern? I think a lot of people would have pointed to the starting rotation, but they would have would have come with the caveat of at least you got Brad Keller, right? We're not worried about Brad Keller. If he's not that ace or if he's not your quote-unquote one or pitches like a one, how concerning do you have to be just about the, the stability or the reliability of that starting rotation? Yeah, I mean, no matter what you think of Keller, you you look at Duffy and Danny Duffy and Mike Miner um, and Brady Singer to some extent, and I think you feel like, okay, they've got they've got some guys who are mid Brad Keller is fine, even if he's his 2019 self. He got four mid-rotation starters um, with with a lot of guys, a lot of guys on the way. But <laughs> if, if Brad Keller isn't one, then all of a sudden you're, you've got three mid-rotation starters and a question mark, and then we haven't even gotten to a fifth spot yet. Which Jacob Junis looked great on Wednesday. He absolutely looked great, but you know he's. It's one start, <laughs> and then the Indians are not very good offensively. So we'll see how that goes for him uh, if he gets another start coming up soon. But, yeah, Brad Keller is hes one of the reasons that you have faith 
in the rotation getting you to a good bullpen. Because the Royals' bullpen is good. They, they have a lot of good arms out there. Um, there's been some struggles. I mean, Jesse Hahn has been horrible, but he, there's a reason for it. It's kind of like when, when, when the, the news came down today that he's on the injured list, you're like, well, that's terrible for him. But also, okay, that makes me feel a little bit better that he's been so bad because now there's a reason for it. And, um, you know, if, if you just want a reason for it. And if, he's, if the rotation loses him in some way, whether it's he can't be good enough, which I, I can't – if he's healthy, there's no way he doesn't figure it out to become at least average. Um, but, you know, if, if he's not that guy, that, that's one less arm to get you to that bullpen, and, and it's just going to make winning games that much harder. He's, he's a very important part of this team. The good news – they have a ton of depth. They have a ton of pitching depth. A lot of it's unproven. And so there's a chance that, you know, it doesn't work out very well. But look, Chris Bubich went out last year and had a really solid rookie season. And he's, I think he's at the alternate site. So he's working on some things right now. He could be ready to go. It's not like, it's not like they're down to, um, I was going to say Jose Lima, but I don't, I don't think they can <laughs> roster a, a deceased player. Um, but you know, it's not like they're down to, to that. It's not like they're down to going to the independent league and finding a pitcher. They've got a ton of arms, so it's not the hugest deal. But you know, Brad Keller is the guy you look at. You go, okay, he can give you 175, 180 innings, at least league average, keep you in games. If he can't do that, that's, that's one less guy who can, and that's, that's a problem. We're talking to David Lesky, Royals Review, Inside the Crown, Substack. I know you were bullish on the bullpen before the season started. Are are you still there? Have, has your opinion on on that unit changed whatsoever? Well, a little bit, only because you know I was looking for Jesse Hahn to be the guy he was last season, and he obviously hadn't been before the injury. Now he's hurt, and they don't seem too terribly confident he'll be back anytime soon. Um, but at the same time, it's a deep bullpen. You've got, I mean, Wade Davis looks like he's pitching pretty well. Yeah. He's a middle reliever. Greg Holland, I think once he gets some regular work, which again that these first seven games have been a bit of an issue for everybody. Bullpen, lineup, everybody, because you can't get into a rhythm. Um, Greg Holland, he looked much better yesterday. Stallmont looked really good. Barlow's looked really good. Kyle Zimmer, I mean, he's been awesome so far this season. Jake Brent has looked really good. Carlos Hernandez is a guy who can give you some length and throw upper 90s. I mean, this is a really deep bullpen. Um, I, I think they don't necessarily, well, I, I should say, if, if you see like Zimmer, Stamont, and Barlow, if those guys, if you think they can be dominant relievers, you could be talking about the 2014 bullpen, 2015 bullpen. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're that good because I don't think those guys are HDH, but I think they have more depth than the 2014 bullpen at the very least. Um, it's, it's a, it's a good unit. And and Matheny has a lot of a lot of arms at his disposal he can go to. And I I you know, I, I think if the Royals are going to win a lot of games if they can have a lead after six innings. If they can just win the first six innings, they're gonna win all nine because that bullpen that bullpen's gonna hold a lot of leads. They they have good arms, high octane arms, good stuff. It's it's a good unit and I think that uh I think over the course of the season the roles will settle down a little bit and it'll just get better. You mentioned Wade Davis, who obviously had a couple of years. You make that transition from being a closer to a middle relief. How difficult is it for somebody to make those role changes? I mean, this is also a guy who the Royals were trying out as a starter before he became a closer. It seems like a lot of guys struggle with transitioning from one role to the next. I know it's only been a couple of appearances, but 
he looks to be, I don't know if reinvigorated is the right word, but certainly embracing uh, this new role so far. Yeah, it's interesting with a guy like Wade Davis because you're right, he was, he was well, he's kind of back and forth with the Rays a little bit. Mostly a starter, but he, he relieved, I think, in, oh, I want to say 2012. He had a full year as a reliever. He was really good, and the Royals moved into the rotation when they picked him up, and he wasn't good enough. And then you get into 2014, he settled into that eighth-inning role pretty quickly in 2014, although he had a he had a rough go to start. I, I was thinking about this with Han yesterday. He People wanted him gone. Early in 2014, he he gave up some runs in those in those first few games. Um, glad they didn't get rid of him. Glad <laughs> they didn't listen to the fans on that one. Um, he but yeah, settled into that eighth inning role, and then stayed there through most of 2015. Then once Greg Holland got hurt, he moved into that ninth inning role and was there in 2016. And then he was there with the Cubs and Rockies. He's always known for the most part as a reliever when he's going to come into the game. And I, and I think that there's. It's, it'll be really interesting to see how he reacts to not knowing. Um, and then this Royals bullpen, Mike Matheny, I, I like the way he's handled the bullpen. I never thought I'd say those words in that order without the word I don't like. <laughs> um, but he's, he's handled the bullpen really well, both in the short season last year and the seven games we've seen from this season, to the point that he's, he's bringing in guys when he needs them. He's not saying, oh, well, Scott Barlow is my eighth-inning guy, not to bash Ned Yost because it obviously worked. But um, roles don't necessarily need to be there for guys. But with certain players, they've always had these roles. And, and we've seen Greg Holland adapt to that last season um, before he moved into the closers role when, when Trevor Rosenthal was traded. And we're, we're seeing Wade Davis right now. Not everybody can do it, so it's worth paying attention to. But the early returns are that Wade Davis seems to be okay coming in whenever he's needed. Um, that's an important, that's an important characteristic for a reliever, I think, in 2021. And clearly, on on the Mike Matheny-led Royals, it's a very important characteristic to have. I'm I'm not sure how it will play out over the course of the season, but you, you have to like what you've seen in his first leg. I think he's pitched in three or four games and it's been in different spots every time. And that's, that's been a nice thing to see because it's tough for some pitchers and he's, he's handled it pretty well. Disappointing news the day before opening day, when Adalberto Mondesi uh, went on the injured list, he's still not back after having such a great bring. What's the difference between him coming back whenever that is, whether it's another week or two weeks, whatever, what's the difference between him coming back and, and still maybe showing some signs of rust versus him coming back and hitting the ground running in terms of sort of, ceiling or expectations for what this team can do over the next month or two? Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to be anytime soon from the way Matheny sounded today. And I don't know if you heard him on Emily Network Radio yesterday, but he was he's on the he has a Sunday time slot at, I think, 10. Um, and he it didn't just didn't seem like there was real a real plan to bring him back anytime soon. So the thing that I think actually doesn't hurt as much is that he's probably going to be gone long enough that they don't have a choice but to send him on a rehab assignment, which will help. That'll help when he comes back to the big leagues because he'll have, he'll have a chance to get his timing down. You know, if he were to come back Thursday or whatever it might be, I, I don't know that they would send him out, A, because there's only, like, alternate site games being played. There's no minor league yet until May 4th. Um, and, B, they'll probably look at, well, he's only missed two weeks. And then you could be looking at a, at a longer transition period as he kind of gets the swing back. And he's a guy who needs a little time. We've seen him jump back in and really struggle for – two, three weeks, you know, just he needs, he needs a chance to get them at bats. Um, I think he's going to be out long enough. They won't have a choice, which is 
like I said, it's good for that aspect, bad for the fact that he's going to be out longer. But um, I, I don't know. I, 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 my hope is Nicky Lopez can keep up what he's done because that will give the Royals the confidence to give Mondesi two weeks wherever he is. They let him get his swing totally right, let him completely get his rhythm back, and then bring him up. Um, if Nicky Lopez starts to fall back to, to last year and, you know, they're kind of floundering, I think they could rush him. And I think we could see a problem. I think we could see him. I don't. I don't, I don't know that I'd predict he'll struggle like he did the first part of last season because it's it's hard to be the worst hitter in baseball like that. Um, you almost have to work at it. But you never know. <laughs> He's a streaky player, and I, that that's my fear. That's my fear. No, that Nicky Lopez struggles, and they bring back Mondesi too quickly, and he struggles, and it just it torpedoes everything. But. If, if they can be patient, I don't think it'll be a huge issue with a rehab assignment. I just don't know that they will be patient. He is David Lesky. You can check out his work at Royals Review and Inside the Crown. Subscribe to that Substack, Then you get a Royals story in your email, in your inbox, every single morning. It's easy. He's doing all the work for you. David Lesky, thank you as always for the time, man. Definitely. Thanks, Nick. All righty. That's David Lesky. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. This weather update is brought to you by your York dealer, Dunco Heating and Cooling. All right, it is officially that time. RCST Trivia is back. Year number two of RCST Trivia. We've got great prizes. We've got even better contestants. We've got new questions, harder questions. I am so excited to see who will be crowned champion here in 2021. And without wasting any more time, Derek, let's bring on our first two contestants and begin Year two of RCST Trivia, and the first matchup is going to be a 5-12 matchup between Leslie Wilson and Flip Braiding. Let's bring on and meet our contestants. First up, we've got somebody with a little RCST Trivia experience. Leslie, a five seed. She went one and one and made it to the round of 32 a season ago. Hello, Leslie. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic, and we're uh, excited to hear from you again this year. So what... What kind of uh, things did you learn from your experience a season ago, and how can you use that this year? Oh, gosh. Um, just the more you know, the better you're going to do. Sounds easy, but um, that, that's really it. And um, the, the, the clock, the pressure's real. It is. <laughs> you, you think you're going to know the answer, and you just you freeze. Uh, so hopefully, you know, just channeling, like, all of last year's vibes. Hopefully I can make it further, but I'm looking to great competition from Flint. <laughs> well, Leslie, last year you were one of the most popular storylines because we had the potential of a husband-wife matchup. Now, we never got treated because your husband, Ben, who we're going to hear from later on, uh, he couldn't make it out of the first round. So what's the last year been like in the Wilson household sort of prepping for another potential matchup here? I mean, it's it's not been great, at least for him. I mean, he has not enjoyed knowing that I made it further than him. So, I don't know. Let's let's do it again this year. The further I can go, the better in my mind, right? That's um, right. So I think he has some sour grapes. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna hear from him. Let's get that matchup later, hopefully. <laughs> well, let's meet your mat your uh, opponent today, Leslie, a 12 seed newcomer in RCST trivia, Flint Braiding, joining us now on the show. What's up, Flint? Uh, not much. How's it going? Doing well. So, uh, what do you think? And what do you have any idea what to expect here in uh, your first go around? 
Oh, not so much. Uh, just a little nervous. Don't want to embarrass myself. We'll see how it goes. Are you a uh, lifelong Jayhawk fan? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Are you known in, like, do people know you as, oh, Flint, he knows a lot about KU. Like, right, that's the go-to guy. Uh, ish, maybe. Okay, I like it. You're downplaying yourself. I, I like the modesty. Modesty <laughs> goes a long way here in RCST trivia. Okay, so I know you guys are probably familiar with the rules, but we'll go over them once more before we get going. Something that's new from last year to this year is we have extended the time limit that you have to answer. You have 30 seconds to answer the question. I will play a timer when you have five seconds left. It sounds like this. And you'll hear that ding. You need to get an answer out before that ding. Otherwise, we're automatically going to count you as incorrect. The format is pretty simple. We'll go back and forth asking each of you guys questions. The questions will get more progressively difficult as we advance throughout the round. We'll start with the easiest, then you know, easy or a little bit harder, then medium, then hard, then nearly impossible. Uh, if you guys both get it correct, we move on to the next tier of difficulty. If you if you guys both answer incorrectly, we'll stay with that tier and just go back and forth between the two of you. Uh, we will go until one of you guys answers the question correctly and one of you answers it incorrectly. So pretty simple. Before we get going, do you guys have any questions for me? All right. I got, head, I got head shakes. We're doing it on Zoom here. Uh, so for everybody listening on the radio, everybody's ready to go. Uh, Flint, you are the lower-seated contestant. You are the newcomer, so I will give you the option of answering first or answering second. Which would you prefer? Uh, I'll go second. Okay, so Leslie, the grizzled veteran, go ahead and show us how it's done. The first matchup here in 2021, RCST Trivia. Let's go ahead and get it going. Your first question, Leslie. Name a current or former KU basketball player. Danny Manning. Danny Manning, that is correct. All right, these are the easy ones. See, we're just getting the blood flowing a little bit. Flint, your first question. Name a current or former KU basketball coach. Uh, Bill Self. Bill Self, that would fall under the current KU basketball coach category. Okay, that was easy. You guys now moving on to the second tier of questions. Leslie. We'll now go back to you. What team did Kansas lose to in the NCAA tournament this season? USC. USC is correct. How could you forget? It was a bit of a beatdown. Flint, we'll go back to you now. Name another team to knock KU out of the NCAA tournament in Bill Self's time at Kansas. Uh, Oregon. Oregon, that is correct. That would be 2017. Team. All right. Smooth sailing so far. Leslie, now back to you for your third question. Going to get a little bit more difficult here. Who did Kansas defeat in the first round of the NCAA tournament this season? Uh, Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington is correct. Back to you now, Flint. In 2018, Kansas went to the Final Four. That season in the NCAA tournament, they were a one seed, so they faced a 16 seed in the first round out of the Ivy League. Which team did they beat in the first round? <sighs> 2018, it was a 16 seed from the Ivy League that Kansas beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament. A lot of people were saying it was going to be the first 16 <clears throat> win. Was it Princeton? 
That is incorrect. You got the right letter, but the correct answer was Penn. Penn. Penn was the team that KU beat. Yeah, as Derek said, uh, that was a team that a lot of national pundits thought mm -hmm. had the chance of being the uh, uh, the first ever 16 seed to upset a one seed, but it didn't end up happening. Penn was the correct answer, Flint. I know it's a, a tough time right now after the loss, but just go ahead and take us through what you're feeling right now. Uh, a little disappointed, but it is what it is. When I said the answer, did that ring a bell? Did that make Yes, absolutely. Remember that team? Yeah, the, the time was really getting to me. I, I think I still had plenty of time, but it was just, I was yeah. feeling pressure. That's what Leslie said beforehand, you know, 30 seconds feels like a long time, but the second you, you know that it's not immediately coming to mind, mm -hmm. that eternal clock really yes. starts ticking. Leslie, uh, you advance to the second round for the first, or for the second time in a row. How are you feeling after your first victory here? I'm, I'm feeling good in Flint, that question. I mean, like anytime you have to like go all the way back to like a one verse 16, I mean, that's hard. Like. I, I got stumped last year on, I think it was like teams to get to. I honestly, I think I had to answer part of that question in what I got out last year. So <laughs> I, I feel ya. And um, I'm just going to throw this out there because I have the year right now. I'm hoping um, to add to the storyline of me and my husband. Um, my groomsman, one of my, our groomsmen is also in this tournament. So he's wow. an eight seed or nine seed, Austin Bussing. I'm hoping for the matchup so I can kick him out too. <laughs> Okay, there we go. So trying to create your own storylines. Can't knock you for that. Leslie, congratulations on the first round win. Flint, thank you so much for participating. Yeah, uh, sorry you. your, your run came to, a, to an end, but uh, we appreciate you being a part of it, man. It's all good. Good luck, Leslie. Thanks, Flint. Love to see the sportsmanship on display there by Leslie and Flint. RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. Their outdoor patio is open to enjoy the warm weather. And try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, or my personal favorite, the French Dip. And don't forget about 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. Continuing on with RCST Trivia, our second matchup of 2021. And once again, we've got a veteran versus a newcomer. Let's welcome them on and meet them. And in one case, once again, let's start with our returning competitor, the four seed, Mike Colton, went one and one a season ago, made it to the round of 32. Mike, what's happening, man? Not much. Looking forward to this. Looking forward to it. Last year, you made it to the round of 32. What do you think it's going to take for you to beat that and make it beyond to the sizzling 16 or, or even the round of eight or four? Uh, just some luck, good matchups. Hopefully, uh, Jeff isn't too tough, but uh, I'm sure everybody knows their KU stuff and college basketball, so I'm looking for a good match. All right, let's find out if you're going to get it. We've got a newcomer, the 13 seed, Jeff Brown, joins us now. Jeff, how you doing, man? Doing well. How's it going? Doing very well. How are you feeling here in preparation for your first ever RCST trivia experience? You know, just uh, excited to be a part of it. Uh, sounds like, you know, Mike's uh, got a lot of knowledge and going to be a good matchup and uh, just uh, hope to... Uh, Hope to have a strong uh, debut. Well, let's go over some of the rules before we get going here, guys. Uh, I, I know it's pretty straightforward. Mike, you probably remember most of this, but I'm going to ask you guys questions going, alternating back and forth. Uh, we'll start with easier questions. We will progressively get harder as you guys advance through the rounds. 
we will go until one of you guys answers the question correctly and one of you guys answers the question incorrectly. If you both get it right, we move on to the next difficulty stage. If you both answer incorrectly, we will just ask you guys a new set of questions from that same tier. If you answer a question correctly, you'll hear this. If you answer a question incorrectly, you'll hear this. We have extended the time limit this year from 10 seconds to 30 seconds. So the timer will start the, the second I get done asking the question. I will play you guys a five second warning timer. When you have five seconds left, you'll start to hear the clock ticking and then you'll hear the final buzzer. Need an answer before you hear that final bell ring. If you don't start your answer before that bell rings, we're automatically gonna count that as an incorrect question. Jeff, you are the newcomer. So we will give you the option of answering first or answering second. Which would you prefer? Um, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and lead off. All right, we got a guy who's ready to go. Jeff Brown, Mike Colton, the four thirteen matchup. Let's go ahead and get it going, Jeff. Your first question: KU has two mascots that donned the Jayhawk gear. Name one of them. Uh, Big J. Big J is correct. Now your first question, Mike. Name the other Kansas mascot. Baby J. Baby J is correct. All right. That was the easiest tier of questions. Now we'll move on to the second tier, and we'll go back to you now, Jeff. What brother combination played for Kansas in 2019? 2019. You can we're, talk, we're talking uh, hoops, right? Yeah, Kansas basketball 2019. Yeah, yeah. You can just name the last name or you can name first and last. Okay. Um, go Lawson. That is correct. At the buzzer. That is the Lawson brothers. Diedrich and KJ Lawson. All right, Mike, we'll go to you now. What brother combination played for Kansas in the 2011 season? Again, you can name us the last name or the first names of the two brothers. Uh, the Henry brothers. That is incorrect. The Henry brothers played for Kansas in 2010. The Morris brothers were on the team. Oh, in obviously. Oh, my God. Marcus and Markeith. Okay, I saw the look on your face. I see the exasperation. Uh, Mike, how you feeling after after missing? It is out? what it is. You know, either you know it or you don't. And <laughs> I wish Jeff the best of luck in the uh, second round. Uh, hopefully, I can get into this next year and uh, study a little bit more. Now, see, that was I could tell you. You knew the answer once I said it. It was it a feeling of right. oh my gosh, how did I miss that one? No, it was just more years. I couldn't quite remember the years of when I knew it was. I just remembered VCU and <laughs> yep. the supposed yep. comments one of the brothers made to uh, one of the VCU guys at tip that supposedly <laughs> spurred yep. on that victory. <laughs> yep. See, now it's all coming back to you. Of course. Uh, Jeff, 
You went right up against it, man. You had about a <laughs> second and a half to spare, or you would have got that one wrong, and we'd both we'd be asking both you guys questions. So how would you pull out the <laughs> Lawson's brothers at the last second there? Man, I, I was uh, trying to make sure I didn't mix up my years. I, I knew 2018-19 um, was one of those years, and I was trying to think of uh, those brothers and uh, – you know, thought of Diedrich there at the last second, so uh, just got it in there. Well, there you go, and you are now moving on to the second round. Best of luck to you in the second round. Jeff, Mike, thanks for playing once again. Hope to see you in 2021. Thank you, fellas. Yep. Thanks, guys. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and tap room located in Decor, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10 and six in the top 100. My personal favorite, the Pompeii, which you can find at liquor stores all over Lawrence. If you won't be up to decor anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at tgbrews.com. We've got more RCST trivia coming up next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact D Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's D Johnson at gpmnow.com. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Sporting Kansas City. Watch them this Saturday at the New York City Red Bull at 7 p.m. on Bally Sports Kansas City and Fox Sports Go or check out the Sporting Kansas City in-stadium watch party. And get your tickets for the next home match coming up on Friday, April 23rd at 6 p.m. against Orlando City. Plus, check out the club's youth program and other happenings in the community by going to the Sporting Kansas City website. You can find all this info and more at sportingkc.com. All right, last matchup of the day, day one of year two of RCST Trivia. And we have got a doozy. We've already got two matchups down. It's our final one. Let's get to meet our final contestants for today, one of whom you might be very familiar with. He made it all the way to the championship round, our runner-up from a season ago, the one seed, Tate Vobach. Tate, good to see you. Good to hear from you again. How you feeling, man? Nick, good to hear from you, too. Um, feeling all right. I'm excited. Um, hopefully, I can at least match what I did last year. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. Is there any pressure that comes along with uh, being a one seed, being uh, a second place finisher a season ago? Maybe a little bit. Like it'd be, <laughs> it'd be kind of embarrassing to make it to the championship and then lose in the first or second round. But uh, you know that'd be okay. So we'll just see what happens. Well, much like the actual NCAA tournament, I think uh, there's a lot of volatility involved with a single elimination tournament. You went 18-1 and one on questions a season ago. Uh, you missed one question in the first round, though. You could reel off 18 straight, but we'd never know because that could be all it takes to, uh, to be eliminated. Let's meet your competitor. We've got a newcomer and a last-minute addition. Somebody dropped out, and this guy, he answered the bad signal. Drew Jarrett, the 16 seed. Don't take it personally, Drew. Like I said, you were a, a, a late-minute addition, but how does it feel knowing that you drew a pretty tough matchup against Tate here in your uh, your first round? I mean, I was, I was feeling okay for a minute until you just rattled off the statistics from last year, which I wasn't <laughs> aware of. So it's a little uh, intimidation factor, maybe. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just, I'm giving it a shot, you know, like you said, uh, here at the last minute, you know, joining, and uh, we'll see see what I can do. It'll be uh, It'll be fun. 
That's right. You're you're. A, I don't want to call you an alternate, but maybe the pressure should be off because you know a lot of people are expecting Tate to win. So you've got nothing to lose here. Maybe playing with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Before we get going, guys, I'll go over some rules. Uh, pretty simple. I'm going to ask you guys questions, alternating back and forth. We will go until one of you guys gets it wrong, one of you guys gets it right. At which point that person would advance on to the second round. The questions will get more difficult as we progress. If you both answer correctly, we move on to the next level of difficulty. Something that's gonna be different from last year to this year is we have extended the time limit to 30 seconds. Uh, if you answer the question correctly, you're gonna hear this sound. If you answer the question incorrectly, you're gonna hear this sound. When you have five seconds left of your 30 second timer, which will start the, the moment I end the question, and there's five seconds left, you're going to hear this ticking noise followed by a buzzer. All I ask of you is to answer your question before you hear that buzzer. If that buzzer sounds and you haven't started answering your question, we're going to count it as an incorrect. So just to avoid any sort of uh, controversy there, make sure you get that answer out before you hear that buzzer. Uh, do you guys have any questions before we go? Are you ready to get it going? Let's All go. right. Ready? Drew, you are the 16 seed. You're the newcomer. I'm going to give you the option of going first or second. Which do you choose? I might as well get it started. All right. I like the I like the confidence. So Drew and his first ever RCST trivia experience taking on the one seed, trying to pull off the upset, elects to go first. Drew, your first question. Name one player on this past season's Kansas basketball team. Ochai Baji. Ochai Abaji is correct. We'll see if he's on next year's team, but that is the correct answer. And Tate, your first question. Name another player on this past year's Kansas team. Uh, let's go with Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett, a senior last season. Okay, pretty easy. Now let's move on to the next round of questionings. Drew, we will go back to you now. Name a Kansas basketball player in the Bill Self era who played at junior college before becoming a Jayhawk. I think I've, I've got an answer. I just, I wanna be sure. Let me just think, let me think through all of them, but I'm pretty sure I know, I know one that I can all uh, go with right now. Well, I mean, we, well, we might as well go with this year. We'll go with uh, Tyon Grant Foster from this year. I think it's easiest. Tyon Grant Foster is correct. The other answer, uh, Mario Little. I don't know if that, that, that was my guy. I had him in my in my back pocket, but I wanted to be sure. Wanted to be a hundred percent sure that he really did come from JUCO. You used uh, you used your time allotment. Very wise choice. Very. He's got some poise in his first ever go around. All right, now we'll go back to you, Tate, for your next question. Name any graduate transfer to have joined Kansas under Bill Self. A grad transfer. Um, I'm going to go with Tarek Black. Tarek Black is correct. He played for Kansas in 2014 with that very young Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid, Wayne Selden team. All right, both you guys. Two for two, making it look pretty easy. Now we're going to move on to the next round of questioning. And Drew, your third question. In the Sweet 16 of the 2008 NCAA tournament, Kansas beat a 12-seed Wildcats team. What school did they beat? Sweet 16 
of the 2008 NCAA tournament, 12 seed Wildcats team. Well, we know Davidson, which I think are still the Wildcats, but that was that was in the Elite Eight. So the Sweet 16, oh my gosh, I feel like I should know. They had an easy road that year. Um, Oh, gosh. Ran out of time there. Uh, mm. Do you have any guesses? Even though it's not going to count, do you have a guess? Man, I, you know, Wildcats threw me off for a minute. I, I honestly was going to say Northwestern, but there's no way it's Northwestern. The correct answer was Villanova. Nova, God. The Villanova Wildcats. And I don't remember the last time they beat Nova in the tournament. That's just, it just is foreign, so. Yeah, because you're probably a little snake bitten by uh, the beatdown losses that they've suffered. Gosh. Villanova. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, 2008, um, that was before Villanova was really the Villanova that we know of now. All right, Tate, so you answered this one correctly and you're moving on to the second round. And here is your question. In the Sweet 16 of the 2007 NCAA tournament, Kansas beat a four-seed Salukis team. Who did they beat? They beat uh, Southern Illinois. That is correct. Southern Illinois Salukis in 2007. Tate, you're moving on to the second round. How you feeling, man? I uh, feel a little bit better now that the, the pressure's off a little bit. Um, that was fun. It was, it was, I'm glad to get back into this. I always look forward to the questions you guys ask, and um, that was a lot of fun. Props to Drew. So I always like to ask the question like this, when, when the, the person who goes second wins, when you heard Mike's question, when you heard Drew's question right before you, did you know the answer to that? Would you have gotten that one correct? Yeah, I did know that answer. And um, I was gonna I was gonna share something else, but that would give away my strategy moving forward. So I'll keep that. Oh well, you can rest, share, so. you can share it with us. I promise we won't tell anybody other than uh, thousands of people who are listening. <laughs> uh, Drew, same question for you. Did you know the answer to Tate's question? Well, I did when you said Salukis, because that really that gives it away. You know immediately. So I was wondering if he would have known had you left had you left off Saluki. Would you have known? Would you have known yeah. if I said four seed from Missouri Valley or if I just yeah. said four seed? Yeah, I, I would have known it. Okay. That's well, a he, tough one. Yeah that's, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Well, Drew, I, that was a great competition. Um, tough question there in the, uh, in the medium tier, but I thought you performed pretty admirably in your first go around of RCST trivia, especially late minute edition, tough draw with the one seed. Uh, how would you assess how you did, Drew? I mean, I should have known it. I should have known it. I told my wife before before I started that there was going to be a question I 100% knew, but I just, you know, in the spur of the moment, it makes it difficult to, to answer, you know, quickly. But um, no, I had it was fun. It was fun. I look forward to, to definitely doing it again, um, you know, next next go around. Well, Drew, thank you so much for uh, participating. Thanks for for filling in at the last second, Tate. Congratulations, you're sticking around at least for, uh, for one more round. So I guess go hit the, uh, the trivia books or whatever you've been doing because it's been working, man. Thank you. RCST Trivia brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella is a product of Kansas, is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, 
Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785-749-4808. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. All right, that's going to do it for RCSD Trivia. We'll have more matchups coming your way at 4 o'clock tomorrow. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk.